0: Hopefully nobody went into cardiac arrest during that Friday trade deadline up until 4 p.m. I know I was pretty close. Um, my blood pressure was
1: skyrocketing. Um, how about you? I you know, I was chilling. I was doing all right. I know uh, <laughs> it was a good time for me because I think I got about three or four texts from Yours truly, Mr. Casey Huntenbaum, yes. saying, can the Mets please make a deal with literally anyone? <laughs> so that was that was a good time. For me. Oh, you go. We got you know, Harvey Baez in the end, so save my save my good friend, a, you know, a nice little heart attack, which is good. We appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: mean, geez. Uh, that was just, that was, um, first of all, everybody, welcome to infield dirt. Uh, this is episode (laughs) 27, I believe. Um, we're doing a little, this will be a shorter episode. We're just going to do kind of a trade deadline recap here. Um, and you know, it's great because there's a lot to recap. Um, so this should, we should have, uh, no problem filling up the time um, but yeah uh holy crap I, I think we can start off by saying this was probably the best trade deadline ever no doubt yeah it was yeah I've never seen anything like it no no I don't think we've ever seen this many like superstars moved during the trade deadline I think that's I think that's a first
1: yeah definitely and it was I mean it was really just Two teams, the Nationals and the Cubs just having fire sales that made it, you know, extremely exciting. yeah um, but yeah, it it was cool. You know, a lot of a lot of teams going for it makes it good. And I also I mean I particularly like this that time of year because the teams that suck tend to trade away their best players. So, you know, they they get even worse, which means the better teams have easier games and tend to get on a little bit of hot streaks, which is always fun to watch.
0: hmm Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's, so what we're going to do, let's go through, uh, let's go through this a little bit here. Um, I guess we can start with those two teams that you mentioned, the Cubs and the nationals who, you know, it's like you said, they basically just had fire sales. Um, and I mean, everyone was gone and I'd like to refer everyone back to a previous episode of infield dirt, where we made predictions for the. Um, second half of 2021. And we talked about, we did a little trade deadline preview. So I know that my hot take for the NL was that the Cubs were going to do a complete fire sale. I think everybody thought that Bryant was going to get traded, but I'm not sure if anybody, I, I think like some people thought in the back of their minds, like, yeah, maybe Rizzo will get traded, but what are they going to trade by as Rizzo and Bryant? And I said they would. And sure enough, and Kimbrel. And they did. They traded all of them. Um, Jeez. I mean, the rough time to be a Cubs fan, I guess, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It looks like they're going to be another five to maybe an eight-year rebuild. They're in complete, you know, tear-down mode. But I I, I was with you. I didn't really – you know, I think everybody knew Chris Bryant was out the door. He was going to be moved. His value had never really been higher. But – To see Rizzo go to the Yankees, to me, was surprising. I didn't even, you know, think the Yankees were looking for really a guy like Anthony Rizzo, but that's a, I mean, it's a great move for the Yankees, for them, for their needs, and he's been, you know, balling out for them, but... Mm -hmm. And then to see Baez be moved, it was really kind of like, you know, I, I read something like a week before the deadline that said Baez, he said that he wouldn't mind, you know, spending his career with the Cubs, and then, like, it felt like a few days later the report of him coming out saying where he wanted to play with Lindor for the rest of his career. As soon as I heard that, I was like, if you're the Mets, you got to, you know, yeah, you're no longer getting a rental. You're getting a guy that wants to be there for the rest of his career, potentially, you know, sign a long-term deal. So that was kind of a no brainer, but right. Yeah. It was, it was definitely interesting to see the Cubs get, you know, trade away, you know, those three core guys from that, that run they had. Yeah, it
0: really was. And it's, it's sad because it is like, it's the, it signifies the end of that era and just, you know, everything that those guys brought to the, to that team and to that city. um, I mean, they did, you know, they got their championship out of it. And that's at the end of the day, you like Cubs fans and Cubs fans will always, and those guys will always have that to look back on. But it is sad that like, that's, that's, you felt like that team was was destined to do that a few more times before that, you know, before that core got blown up um yeah so you know but it, it, i mean but i think you know we're not surprised that at, at, once rizzo got dealt it seemed like immediately after that like the cubs were releasing videos of like you know like tribute videos like they had like they had that shit ready to go yeah. so i think it was like like you could tell they were all three of those guys. I watched the Chris Bryant one. Like I almost got emotional and I'm not even a Cubs fan. I was just like, wow, this is heavy stuff.
1: Like, and yeah. And to see their relationships with David Ross too, you know, how he got emotional with them. It was definitely a time as a Cubs fan where, you know, you're, you're closing the closing the book on that group of guys, which, you know, brought them that coveted world series. So I'm sure they will be, but I'm sure when they come back to Chicago, it'll be a big celebration. And, They'll all, they'll all get the love they deserve. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, they're getting the love they deserve elsewhere. Um, You know, all three, Bryant, Rizzo and Baez homered in their first game with their new team, which is insane. Um, And it's just another, like, it's insane to think about how the Cubs were not good that year somehow with those three guys in their lineup. Um, But man, it's, it's, it's nuts. Um, Let's talk about the third. Well, we'll talk about those three guys. And also we got to bring Kimball into the conversation because he was the other piece that got moved there along with uh, their two bullpen pieces, um, uh, Chafin and Ryan Tappara. But who do you think, which one of those, out of all those pieces do you think netted the best return for the Cubs?
1: Uh, oh boy. I mean, I think that I, I think the Cubs did a good job overall with their mm. return. I mean, it's kind of hard not to when you yeah. deal that many guys. Yeah, honestly, the the one that I when I saw it kind of caught my eye a little bit was the the return they got for Kimbrel, where they got Nick Madrigal. Yeah. I'm a big Nick Madrigal guy. For you know, some of you out there that don't know him. He's a big prospect for the White Sox. Saw a little action last year. He got hurt this year, but he's a you know he's an old fashioned hit 300 320 type of guy. He doesn't have much pop, but he plays a really good second base Mm -hmm. and you know, he's a really good hitter. So I I thought that was um, a really good return for them, but I thought overall they, they did a good job with it. Yeah,
0: I was, I'm, I'm, I agree with you a hundred percent. That was my pick too. Um, you know, in, in his short stint with the white Sox last year, he hit three seventeen. he was hitting 300, I believe at least when he went down with his injury this year. Um, And I I think – I was a little surprised that they were – that the White Sox were willing to give up Madrigal. But, I mean, you got to think for the White Sox, um, you know, they see a – I mean, they could have – like, realistically, they could have made zero moves and still won the AL Central. But I think, like, they see that they have a window to go all in and win a World Series here and come out of the AL – you know, and, and play for a world series with the pitching staff that they have mm-hmm. now, the bullpen that they have adding Kimbrel already with Liam Hendricks. I mean, that's going to give um, uh, just an unbelievable combination in the back end of that bullpen. And just yeah. like, I mean, I don't know how you pick who saves. I mean, you could really. Just- well,
1: yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, I also, I mean, I think that it's, it's also, they were kind of looking at it from the point of, they got Jimenez back, but he pulled his groin like, right away. Luis Roberts out. Their offense kind of all year has been guys getting hurt and you know the guys, maybe some of them performing not to their abilities. Mm-hmm. You know, Like Jose Abreu, he's still driving runs, but the average and stuff wow, has been, been down been a little bit. Great. So I think they kind of looked at it as, you know, we've got probably the best pitching staff in the American League, the rotation of bullpen. We can add another guy you don't have to slug your way to the world series. If we just dominate on the mound and get timely hits, that's the way we could win the world series too. So I think that's kind of the approach that they took a little bit with it. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And in someone like Nick Madrigal, you know, he's out for the year, so he's not going to make, he's not going to have a chance to, to make an impact um, uh, on that team this year. So, you know, it is tough, but it's, uh it's a deal. The white Sox couldn't say no to with an opportunity to win now. And uh, they're, they really are like i said they're now serious world series contenders with that move um you know and obviously they they added caesar hernandez um with, with that move as well you know not nothing much um from cleveland but you know he's someone that he's going to give you a professional at bats he'll play a fine second base and fill in for magical so um but anyways uh we'll talk real quick about where the other the other couple of guys went Brian to the Yankees we can kind of segue to the Yankees had a very interesting trade deadline. They were very active to say the least. Um, you know, Anthony Rizzo, um, Joey Gallo, obviously um, you know they got Andrew Heaney um, from the Angels. Um, so you know it was it was an interesting deadline for them. They traded a lot of prospects. A lot of prospects for those two guys, Gallo and Rizzo. But, I mean, ob- honestly, um, you know, th- I mean, they balance out this Yankees lineup now, make it a lot more dangerous, a lot more dangerous than it already was.
1: Um, So, you know, it, it's, it's going to help them. Yeah. I, they desperately needed guys in that lineup. And, I mean, Rizzo's been on fire since he's... Come over Joey Gallo in Yankee Stadium. It feels like that was made for him. um It's, it's both guys gonna be huge for that lineup. The Yankees are trying to make the playoffs. They're not, mm-hmm. you know, traditionally they don't worry about prospects. They have the money to sign guys, so I don't think that was as big a deal to them. But I really like the Rizzo move. It's a professional hitter. You know, if he can get back to the Rizzo he was a few years ago and the way he's been playing for Yankees. That's even better. Andrew Heaney. It's a, you know, it's an under the radar move. I don't think it makes a huge deal, but it adds depth to the rotation. Mm -hmm. That's never a bad thing. And I think the Yankees were looking at it as like, personally, I don't think their rotation's good enough to make the world series, but I don't think the world series is, you know, The first thing that's on their mind, I think the first thing is we got to catch Oakland and at least make the playoffs. So if that's the goal, then I think they did, you know, a good job of getting some guys to help get themselves there. Mm
0: -hmm. Agreed. You know, and and I think a lot of it too, something that kind of flies under the radar. I think Cashman was, this deadline was for Cashman's job as well. I mean, he wanted Mm -hmm. to keep his job and how unhappy Yankee fans were with the team and um, the way they were performing. I mean, he needed to go out and make a move and to his credit, he did that. Now, is it going to be a lot to do before, you know, is it going to be a lot to do to finish potentially third in the AL East or even potentially fourth in the AL East because the blue Jays, um, you know, not to move past the Yankees quick, but the blue Jays added um, a pretty serious piece in Jose Barrios And Brad hand from the Washington nationals. So a couple of pretty good um, uh, and Trent Richards as well, another uh, pitching piece as well as Adam Simber. So they retooled on the pitching side of it, along with, I'm forgetting even Joaquin Soria. So, you know, the blue Jays had a trade deadline, um, (laughs) a really good trade deadline.
1: Yeah, I mean I Barrios today in his first start for them was he was nasty. he was lights out. Yeah. I you know, I love that move for them. That now gives them Ryu, Brios and Alex Manoa, mm-hmm. the rookie who's looked really good. Um Brad Hand, bona fide closer. He's a stud. It sure is up the back of that pen. Um they've already got a pre, you know, they've got guys, you know, they've got setup guys, Romero, they've got some guys in the back end of that bullpen that can get it done. And I mean that offense is That's a that's a playoff lineup. Like that lineup is deep. You know they've got stars. So shoring up that starting rotation, the Blue Jays are. That's a dangerous team, and I feel like we've been saying this the whole year Mm -hmm. that they're dangerous. And at some point, they're going to get hot. Maybe these moves allow that to happen, but they're in my opinion too talented to you know not make the playoffs. And you know that means beating out some good teams. But the Blue Jays, in my eyes, are. A team that should be in the playoffs yeah I mean when you look
0: at um, obviously their rotation that one two three is 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 really really potent um, but then you look at that lineup and it and uh you know there's there aren't a lot of holes in that lineup to say the least and when you look to at what they gave up for Barrios Austin Martin and Simeon Woods Richardson both top 100 prospects so no jokes um, but someone in Austin Martin who obviously I'm sure people were surprised, but you look, I mean, they've got Jordan Groshans in the minor leagues too. So it just shows the confidence they have in him to come up and, you know, um, uh, produce at the big league level. And not that they don't like, wouldn't want to keep Martin around, but you know, this is when you have a deep farm system um, like a lot of these teams, it only like, it just shows how important the trade deadline shows how important farm system depth is to, Mm -hmm. to your team. And uh, the Yankees had a lot of like B level prospects that teams really wanted. um, And they were able to deal those guys away without dealing a lot of, you know, without dealing many top 10, I don't even know if they dealt any top 10 prospects for Gallo or Rizzo. Mm -hmm. So kudos to Brian Cashman for that. Um, But then when you've got guys like that and you see, um, you know, the opportunity to lock up a guy like Barrios for a couple of years. Um, cause they, he's not just a rental. He'll be there next year as well. And a two-time all-star as well. Um, you know, you have the opportunity to do that. Um, so I, I, I think, you know, it's a good segue too, cause we could talk about the other team that's in the running for that wild card spot. We talk about the Oakland A's um, you know, They really, it was nice to see Oakland's front office, like put a charge into their team like this um, and, and really make some moves because it's something you don't see Oakland do a whole lot. Um, But I think all three of these teams, the Yankees, the Blue Jays, the A's, they know that they're competing for one of those wild card spots and to their credit, all three of them did the work.
1: Mm Mm-hmm yeah and I you know it's you don't always see that because when you're going for the one game anything Mm -hmm. can happen so it's tough to you know go out there and and trade away prospects for guys that it could be a one game thing but like you said credit to all three and I like what Oakland did we talked about this on the podcast before how their weaknesses to offense so getting Starley Marte is a really good pickup for them he's a professional hitter he's the borderline all-star. And then mm. picking up Josh Harrison, Jan Gomes, those are really good, you know, under the radar guys. Harrison's a utility guy. He hits for average. You know, a guy that can get on base. He, I mean, when I think of an Oakland athletic like Josh Harrison is the perfect guy for that. And then Jan yeah. Gomes behind the plate to go with Sean Murphy. A really good deadline for the A's. Yeah, agreed. Um,
0: I wonder, do you think which out of these three teams before we move on, which one of them do you think put themselves in the best position to go for that second wild card? I mean, obviously like, you know, the Rays, just the Rays and the Red Sox right now, as we speak, are battling it out for first place. We are talking right now. It's Sunday around nine o'clock. So as we speak, the Rays and the Red Sox are battling for first place. I think we can assume that one of those two teams will have, a wild card spot, mm-hmm. which of these next three teams in the Yankees, the blue Jays and the Oakland A's, which
1: ones do you think put themselves in the best position to make a run at that spot? I, I think the blue Jays did the best job of putting themselves in the best position to make the wild card game. Yeah. With that said, I think Oakland is sitting pretty good in terms of making the wild card because I mean, the Yankees and the blue Jays, they got a, you know, they battle with the Red Sox and the Rays all the time, which makes things difficult because those are two of the best teams in baseball. Whereas Oakland, you know, Texas isn't, Texas is not good. The angels are, you know, they're the angels They're are 500 at best and Seattle. They've done a good job hanging around, but you know, Oakland can definitely can definitely beat them. So I think, Oakland sitting the best position, but I think the blue Jays addressed their, you know, the areas of weakness, the best. And I think that, you know, they could definitely get hot here. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Um, You know, we
0: talked a little bit about them in our last episode. Mariners didn't really do a whole lot to back up that, that kind of surprising trade. Um, And the, uh, uh, the, um, well, they did get Tyler Anderson who ended up falling through with that deal from the pirates Um, uh, to the Phillies and they kind of snatched him up from that. Um, The Houston Astros really didn't do much either. Um, They got Yemi Garcia from the Marlins um, to kind of shore up the pen, the pitching staff. But other than that, um, not much, not much. Phil Mayton from, uh, from Cleveland, but yeah, I mean, they didn't really do much to be fair. They don't really have to do that much. They're a really freaking good team.
1: Um, So, you know, yeah. And I also kind of think that they're like, I, I don't think that they're them making news. I, I feel like with the whole scandal thing, they might be a little bit more hesitant towards making a big splash. Not saying that's why they didn't go right. out and make a move, but I think I get the, the vibe from them that they're just kind of, you know, trying to stay quiet, do their own thing people will look up and they'll be like, the Astros have 104 wins. Like where did that come from? You know, in the world series again, that kind of thing. But yeah. I, like you said, they're already a tremendous teams. So it's, it's not really like they, uh, you know, they needed to m- make a move, I
0: guess. Yeah. I mean, they're rolling with the squad they have now. And I think yeah. they're happy with the way that they're performing. Yeah. So not a whole lot of need to, to mix that yeah. up too much. Um, let's move over to the national league. Um, I want to end with the Dodgers trade because that one, I feel like we'll have the most to talk about. Um, But let's look at some of the teams. Um, So the thing about the national league, it's a little bit different because you've got kind of, I guess there's really no way to avoid it, but um, it's, it's a lot more set in stone where the winner of the central and the winner of the East, like that's your ticket. If you're not in the, in the, NL West, really. I mean, I know that the Reds are hanging around. They just took a series from the Mets, Ger, but um, okay. I know they're hanging around. They had a, you know, they didn't do a whole lot in the deadline, which I think was kind of smart. Um, you know, they, they didn't trade away any solid prospects. They added to the payroll a little bit by getting a uh, Luis Sessa and Justin Williams or excuse me, Justin Wilson from the Yankees and, um, They got Michael Gibbons. So they shored up the bullpen a little bit, which was necessary. Um, And, you know, they they can contend until September whether or not they make a run at – I know the Padres have been slipping a little bit and losing Tatis for however long they're going to lose him for with that shoulder surgery. That certainly doesn't help.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think that the Reds – the Reds are not a better team than the Padres – But right now, the Padres do need to be careful. The Reds, I believe, I think there are four or five back of them. So the Padres have some breathing room. But Mm. the Padres' starting pitching has not been good. Besides Darvish and Musgrove, Blake Snell and Chris Paddock have really struggled. Uh, Ryan Weathers has been solid. He got roughed up the other night. But, you know, with Tatis going down, that's a big loss. uh, San Diego's loaded with talent. There's no denying that. And they're having a decent season. But... If they, you know, if they do slide a little bit, the Reds could catch them. Now I don't think that's going to happen, but sure. the lead isn't, you know, ten games or whatever. It felt like it was, you know, a month or two ago. So mm-hmm. the Reds are the Reds are that pesky team that it feels like they're not going to go away till September. Yeah, they're just going to hang around. But mm-hmm. the, you know, the longer you 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 let them hang around, four games back, you slip up a little bit. in September, it could get close.
0: So. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, you know, I, the Padres didn't do nothing. They did get Adam Frazier, which, you know, can't argue with that at all. He's a guy who could play at, uh second base. He could play outfield, every outfield position. They did get Daniel Hudson to shore up that bullpen a little bit, but I think you're right. I think they needed some starting pitching. I guess there's no way to, to avoid it really, but um, you know, they definitely could have used some starting pitching in the form of Max Scherzer, which I know a lot of people thought that was, going to happen. I know I texted you and I was like Scherzer's mm-hmm. going to the Padres and you were like, "Oh shit, here we go." And then I was like, "Well, I guess not because I start I kept seeing stuff like, well, I guess he's not, the deal's not a 100% a, a like stuff kept coming out that like they agree on the players, they're just working on cuz Scherzer had the final say and everything. Yeah. So it was very complicated. Um and then obviously he ends up going to the Los Angeles Dodgers, not only Did Scherzer go to the Los Angeles Dodgers? But MVP caliber shortstop utility player, Trey Turner went in the deal as well. Um, Insane. I mean, like nuts that that happened. Like getting Max Scherzer to now have, when he comes back, you're going to have Clayton Kershaw, Walker Bueller, Max Scherzer as your one, two, three. And that's not even counting you know uh Tony Godson, Urias. Urias, Yep. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah. Um I mean, yeah. this deal I is know. just it's it's bonkers. And and even in the in the pack like kudos to the nationals. They got mm-hmm. the Dodgers two best prospects out of this Josiah mm-hmm. Gray and Kiber Ruiz, um, along with a couple of other pretty good prospects. So you know it wasn't like this was a steal, but anytime you're getting Trey Turner in the lineup that the Dodgers already have along with Max Scherzer for that rotation, man, that's, it's hard to not call the Dodgers the favorite.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I remember when you texted me that the the Dodgers got Scherzer, I was like, damn, that's, that might put them over the top. And then I didn't know they got Turner in that as well. Like, mm-hmm. first of all, I don't understand why the nationals were shopping him. You can still rebuild and have him and Soto as your cornerstone. Right he's really young and he's one of the best, you know, I think he's a top five player in baseball. Yeah. So, yeah, but the rich get richer with the Dodgers. And, you know, it looked like this year with the whole Bauer thing and then Dustin May going down, they, they, you know, maybe the pitching wasn't going to quite be there. Well, now when Kershaw comes back, you've got Walker Buehler who's under the radar 11 and one right now with a two, three era Julio Urias, who's like 11-4 and four with a 3-4. Now you got Scherzer and Kershaw, two of the greatest pitchers of all time. Oh, and by the way, Corey Seager's coming back yeah. with Betts, with Muncie and Turner, and Chris Taylor's having an all-star year, A.J. Pollock. Will and Smith. then you add Will Smith, and now Trey Turner with Pujols off the bench, who, by the way, has been raking for the Dodgers since they picked them up. Um, just, like... It super. seems like it's a super team. I mean, it's yeah, it's just – it's insane how good that team is. And if things stay the way they are and the Giants win the division, can you imagine a Padres-Dodgers wild card game? Like, holy cow. I that mean, would be must-watch TV.
0: Just think about the lineup that the Dodgers are going to be able to roll out there against – I don't care – like, like if, say, they play – you know, if they play San Diego, they face, I don't know, Darvish. If they face San, uh, San Francisco, they face Gosman. But you got to – like you're telling me you're beating Betts, Muncy, Turner, Seager, Turner – or um uh Taylor, Smith. I'm probably forgetting a couple of Cody guys.
1: Bellinger. Where, I mean we're not even throwing Cody right, Bellinger in yeah.
0: there. You completely forgot about Bellinger. Yeah. I mean you've got – AJ Pollock off the bench. You've got Pujols off the bench. Mm-hmm. Like this, this team is stacked, not to mention they're playing Mets legend, Billy McKinney right now <laughs> in the outfield. So you've always got him to come in. Um, but my God, uh, just an insane, and, and not to mention they shirt up their rotation even more. And they got Danny Duffy from the Royals, which yeah. everybody forgets about that. He's, a, he's always going to just be a solid innings eater for this team. So mm-hmm. my God, just, yeah, It's like you said, the rich get richer, but I want to say for, and for everybody who like, obviously it's frustrating because you're like, God damn it. How much better do the Dodgers actually need to be? But like, I think the real winner here, like aside from potentially the Dodgers winning the world series, the real winner here is the Dodgers fans. Because, Mm -hmm. my God, like, imagine being a fan of that team. Like, they've been good for so long. And this, the ownership in the front office will, like, this move shows that they will do literally anything it takes to make sure that they remain the best team in baseball at all times. Like, their commitment to excellence
1: and winning is unmatched by any other team in the league. 100%. And for most teams... You won the World Series last year. Right now, you're you're at the deadline, two back with the division leader. You're sitting in the wild card. You're thinking, we're sitting pretty good. I mean, these moves show clearly the Dodgers' front office is not happy where they're at. They don't want to play in that wild card game. They expect to be at, you know, they expect to win the West, and that is the minimum. They expect the West to be theirs, and they expect mm-hmm. to go and win the World Series. So, like you said, to have fans like that, or and, uh, not fans, but to have, um, you know, ownership like that. And also, I mean, they just continuously, they, they do it while growing their farm system. It's yeah, truly like, if you wanted to, you know, if there's an organization to follow how to build and maintain a team to be a World Series caliber team, it's the Dodgers. They just, the it's just really
0: just a commitment to excellence that you don't see from other major league teams to have the depth that they have in the farm system and be this good as a major league organization. I mean, this is what I think a lot of us expected the Cubs to be like for years after this, that world series uh run And and it's pretty clear that it was not the case. Um, And, and we're, you know, you're seeing what you're seeing the blueprint, like you said, unfold with the Dodgers. This is, they're just, they're playing it to a T um, but it's like you said the team that's still in first place the San Francisco Giants they had a pretty solid deadline themselves they added arguably the best offensive player on that trade deadline minutes minutes
1: before the trade deadline expired Chris Bryant yeah and, and like you know I think the the conversation after the Padres and the Dodgers made their moves was well the Giants just kind to kind of sit right. by and let that happen and then You pick up Chris Bryant and, I mean, Longoria's out right now. When he comes back, you can put Bryant in the outfield. But, man, the Giants just – that was a sneaky good move. And, you know, it shows that they clearly think they can win this division and they're not backing down to the Dodgers, which is great because right now baseball in in that division and out in California, like out west, it is – that's where it's at and you know you love to see all three teams say you know we're going for it we're all in Uh, makes it more exciting it makes the rivalries better and you know September nationally West in September is going to be crazy and if the Padres can even you know make up some ground make it a three-team race that would be insane but yeah I mean Chris Bryant to the Giants was was a sneaky good move and one that hopefully I think they're hoping will make them World Series contenders. Yeah, no doubt. And I think it does, you know, along with that pitching staff,
0: you add Brian mm-hmm. to that lineup and the versatility that he brings it's, it, it's unmatched. Um, and, and, you know, really, I think that honestly they, I think the giants gave up the least of all the teams that traded for those Cubs stars. Um, you talk about the Yankees, they gave up a couple of solid prospects um, for Rizzo. Um, the Mets gave up their number five prospect for, for Javier Baez, which we haven't even talked about yet, but, um, you know, the giants gave up their number nine prospect and their number 30 prospect for Chris Bryant. That's a pretty, that's pretty solid. I know it's, I know he's a rental, but I think, I think this is a move, Bryant, I think this move makes sense for if they're, if someone's going to extend him, I I could see the San Francisco giants mm-hmm. ex- offering an extension here to Chris Bryant. I think it would make a lot of sense. So Good move all around. Yeah,
1: yeah, for sure.
0: But um, let's go, before we go um, talk about the other two NL divisions and wrap up here, I want to say, you know, because we mentioned the Cubs and we mentioned the Nationals, teams that just had fire sales. If you're going to rebuild your team, do it the right way. And I get, and like as shitty as that is, that's the right way to do it. You just, you shut, you clean house start from scratch because it's much easier to stomach that as a fan base. I feel like when you do that and that's exactly what the Colorado Rockies did not do. What the, f- what are you doing? Colorado, not trading Trevor story, not trading John gray, not trading Daniel Bard.
1: I don't yes. understand this at all. The The worst place to be in sports is in the middle or below, you know, just you know, stuck basically the Rockies are stuck. And, you know, as a Cubs and nationals fan, as sad as it is to see some of your guys get dealt and realize that you're going to be in a rebuild, at least you're going in a direction. At least, you know, you know, where your team's headed as a Rockies fan. And if you're in that organization, like, Trevor Story said he's not re-signing. Yeah. Yes, you might not get the haul you want back for him or that he's valued at, but at least it would be something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same thing with John Gray and Daniel Bard. What are you hanging on to these guys for? You don't have a farm system, really, that's, that's going to come up and make you contenders. You haven't really started the rebuild process. You're just stuck being a really bad team. So I feel bad for fans of the Rockies because, you know, like you what exactly is their plan now? Do they think they're gonna re-sign them? And if they do, how does that change them from being a team that's gonna finish fourth? Look, so here here's my theory.
0: I think the Rockies front office saw how horrible that like how horrible they I think they well they they knew, but then they saw the backlash that they got from how horribly they dealt with the whole Nolan Arenado um, trade, um, literally shipping him off for nothing and then shipping him off and paying his salary to play against you. So they they shit the bed in that scenario. And then um, their GM comes out and says, we're not going to be a, a farm system for every other major league team. It's like, okay. Well, look. You put yourself in this position. Like this is not. Yeah, you did this yourself. Ground now by not trading Trevor Story. Like your fans are already pissed off enough at you. Like the baseball fans are already like you're already being viewed in a bad light. I don't think that like that wouldn't have gotten worse if you get rid of Trevor Story. You get rid of Daniel Bard. You get rid of John Gray. Like the the return that you could have gotten, obviously story's not having his best year ever, but like the return you could have gotten for someone like him, John Gray, even Daniel Bard, like the return you could have gotten for those guys would have been, it's like you said, it would have been something.
1: <laughs> like, yeah. So, and at least in the Aranata trade, they got um, Austin Gomber. Course, I think that's his yeah. name, mm-hmm. which he's been a solid starter for them. You know, yeah. you could use that guy. It's, It just doesn't make any sense. I've never seen something like that happen. Where and we were texting about it. Where I was just like, "Are they just going to sit here and just let the deadline pass?" Like, literally, you know. Yes, rental players don't get particularly what the players valued for, Mm -hmm. but you got to start somewhere. Yeah. So it's better than nothing.
0: It it really is. I mean, you saw what the return was for for three rental guys and Bryant. Rizzo and Baez. I mean, Baez netted a top prospect, a mm-hmm. top ten prospect. Bryant netted a top ten prospect. Um, Rizzo netted two mid tier, uh, top thirty prospects. So you know, I, I mean, if you're the the Rockies, you've got to just kind of accept the fact that this is not. I, I, I mean, what does he expect? I mean, he said he plans to offer the qualifying offer to Trevor story. Like, really? You think he's going to take the qualifying offer? I understand like the Rockies generally draft pretty well um, as evidenced by
1: the stars that have moved through their, their system, but. They just can't collectively feel the competitive team. That's going to be able to win for a five year period. Like they, you know, they develop these guys, but then they make moves and they just can't, you, know, you look at some of these rosters that they've had, they've had Charlie Blackman, Arenado, Story, Daniel Murphy, um, Kyle Freeland almost winning a Cy Young, Marquez. Mm. Like they've had DJ LeMahieu, they've had these guys that are yeah. all star type players. Before that, it was Tulowinski and Carlos Gonzalez, but it's yep. collectively as an organization, they can't seem to figure out a direction and make the moves to, you know, to it's make them consistently good. It's the moves that they, it's, it's, their core, like I, I've
0: something I saw, like if you stack up the top two position players on every team and you put their wars together um, over a period of time, the Rockies were second to the Dodgers because they had Story mm-hmm. and Blackman and Arenado. Like those, those three guys, and then it's like you said, you pair them with having Marquez and Kyle Freeland and John Gray. Like that's a good enough. Like if you solidify a back end of a bullpen, like that's what they should have been focusing on solidify an outfield, like don't sign Ian Desmond to play center field or or, or, like don't sign Ian Desmond to play first base when he's played shortstop and center field. Like you need a slugger at first base, like someone like Joey Gallo at first base. Don't like... Murphy, I know you mentioned Murphy, but he was past his prime when he got to Colorado. Like that was not the move to replace DJ LeMayu. It's just all around. And then locking up Charlie Blackman long-term to be your center fielder. Like you need a, you need a rain. You need someone like Buxton patrolling center field in Colorado. Like I love, I love Blackman, but he stick him in right field. Like he should not be patrolling center field in Colorado. It's just yeah, their, their front office has not done a good job at all. And it's, and it was made more clear by this deadline, but um, let's finish off with um, the rest of the NL here, the three teams in the national league East. It's pretty clear that this is still a race. I know I complain about people saying this all the time, but um, it is still a race because of the, the zero margin really that exists. And, I mean, it seems like the Mets have had a four-game lead for the whole year, basically. Um, so I guess I should be happy about that, but it's still um, it's still incredibly stressful. But the <laughs> Mets, um, you know, I guess you kind of forget about Rich Hill because it was made earlier in the deadline. We talked about him already. They got Javi Baez and Trevor Williams from the Cubs. It did cost them a top prospect. Um, but honestly, I'm like, they needed a right-handed bat with some thump. Um, to go along with Pete Alonso, And they got that in Javi Baez. And he's a guy like him and Lindor up the middle. There's not a sexier double play combo in major league baseball than that. And I'll go to my grave on that one right there. Um, no doubt. No doubt. So, you know, I, I think, you know, and Crow Armstrong, he's probably, f- you know, four or five years away from the major leagues anyway. Along with the fact that you know he just had season ending shoulder surgery, but these prospects you never know I know it hurts to give up uh you know depth in the farm system, but i'm fine with I'm fine with the move for Baez. I think they needed to do more in the pitching aspect, but i'm I like the move
1: yeah, no, I love the move. I think Baez is perfect for New York, he's going to bring that energy that Mets fans love, but <laughs> You know, it's the Mets division to lose, no doubt, and I truly do believe that they will win the division with about eighty-seven wins. (laughs) Which, dude, like, you know what? I'm all for it. I love watching the Mets in the playoffs. It's a great energy, and you know what? It's an accomplishment to win the division, so it's all good. But I think I thought the move was really good. It showed up the infield. The um, gave them some right-handed pop as well, which they needed. But. You Know we'll see how it goes. I thought Atlanta made some sneaky good moves getting Duvall and um, a couple other outfielders, Peterson, Jock Peterson. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're Atlanta's they realize that they're not at full strength. This they're they made some moves to fill some positions that they needed. Mm-hmm. I think they're kind of seeing, well, if we make a run, great, but we also know we got a lot of guys hurt, and the Phillies just. Phillies just aren't a good ball club. Like they're just not a good team. They got Kyle Gibson, which is a good pickup, but it's yeah. this it, is definitely the Mets' division to lose. Um, Interesting. So yeah, I, I, no, I mean, I,
0: I definitely agree. I definitely agree. I I think that in you know, I think if I had to grade like all these moves that they made, I like, I don't know. I think the Phillies could have used another bat too like mm-hmm. aside from Freddie Galvis, I don't think that that's a game changer really for them. Um, but getting Kyle Gibson and Ian Kennedy, um, that's, you know, that helps. That's going to help there. They needed another starter. I mean, having him, Nola and, um, and uh, excuse me, uh, who am I thinking of here? Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler. Jeez. Um, pretty good move. I, you know, it's kind of funny that they opted to part with Spencer Howard for, for Kyle Gibson. But, you know, I know Gibson's had a really good year, but I don't, you know, I don't know if he's this ace guy that, Mm -hmm. you know, he was definitely, he was necessarily going to be, but he's also not a rental. So they will have him for a couple of years. Hopefully, you know, I hope he can still have that success, just not against the Mets. Um, But the Braves, I mean, Richard Rodriguez was a piece that I wanted the Mets to get. And when I saw that, I was like, God damn, that's a good move. Um, mm-hmm. they shored up their outfield Rosario is just going to be a bench guy. That was kind of just a move to unload Pablo Sandoval, I think. Um, but, uh, they did get Jorge Soler. You never know. He could turn it around. Um, I mean, he's been having a, just an absolute brutal year for the Royals after hitting 40 plus homers the past couple of seasons. Um, but Adam Duvall was having a great year for the Marlins. Get him back to, to Atlanta. I don't know if I'm just saying this cause I'm a Mets fan, but like, I don't know if these deals really like if this is going to make a huge difference for me in the division. Um, I think the Phillies needed way more bullpen help than they got, but I think Kyle Gibson gives them a good piece um, in the rotation. So there is that. Um, but I, I don't know. Neither of these moves necessarily scare me. I'm just scared of the Mets like hurting themselves. Like you said, it's their division to lose. I think that them not getting starting pitching um, insurance that they desperately needed because now DeGrom has another setback. So he's not throwing for another shutdown for another two weeks
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and they just didn't do it. You know, know, Trevor Williams is not, you know, he's not a Jose Barrios. So.
1: Yeah. The Mets, I I think the Mets are definitely playing with fire in terms of not getting that, you know, other starting pitcher and, possibly running away with the division it's the same thing with the Padres and the Reds like if the Mets let the Braves and the Phillies hang around four or five back until September and it's looking like the Gromps not gonna come back till early September ish mm-hmm. it's it's a dangerous thing to play with because you know you have one bad series against them and next thing you know they're a game back something like that so the Mets are they're still in a good position but you you know Trevor Williams is not the answer absolutely not. Um, you talk about the other two teams in the East, um,
0: obviously the nationals win on a fire sale, but they got a pretty good, pretty good haul back. Um, so, but it is fair to say that the nationals will basically just be a punching bag for the rest of the year. I think Yeah. we can say that. And, um, and management and probably most nationals fans would agree with us there. Um, I thought the Marlins did great for themselves. They're not in a position where they're going to compete, um, this year, but they, man, adding Jesus Lazardo to that already young, really talented pitching staff is going to set them up for success for years to come.
1: Yeah, we both agree on that. Lazardo was a great pickup for them. They already have a really good farm system, a lot of young arms. Um, Derek Jeter up there. I mean, he's quietly building a you know a very promising future for the, that team, that organization. Obviously, this year they're not going to compete, but. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at the future. They've got a lot of really high-end young arms to go along with guys like Jazz Chisholm um, and a few other guys that they're hoping will come along. So, yeah. the Marlins, yeah. you know, that's that's definitely you know their future is is bright and it's it's going to be coming up here soon, Barry, just not Barry. this year.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, their their owner. Um, I okay, this is going to make Kim. How do you say her last name? I have NG? no idea. You just say NG. I think wow. so. I'm going to look up because she absolutely aced her first. Uh,
1: yeah.
0: Um, Ainge. Ainge. That's how it is. Or is it Aang? I think it's Aang. Um, Ang. She absolutely aced her first trade deadline. So, man, she's, I mean, that pitching staff is tooling up, like you said, To their future is bright and it's coming very soon. Um, in the central kind of quiet, like we said, um, the Cardinals added John Lester, but they also, they added John Lester and J a hap, but like, you know,
1: that's they're, not a huge,
0: they're, like game the game. Epitome. They're, they're the epitome of a 500 team. Yeah. So, I mean, they're not like, I don't see them doing no.
1: it. The only good move was Escobar to the Brewers. I yeah, thought that was a, that was a good move for them, but mm-hmm. Yeah, the Reds and the Cardinals didn't do anything to really swing the a pendulum there. Yeah, agreed. And you know, Brewers got Daniel Norris as well from the <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: um from the Tigers. Um, which you know, the way the the Brewers can just um the way they can work pitchers up, uh, you never know. Norris might turn into another just stud arm out of that rotation. Oh you know, and they also got Rowdy Telez from the Blue Jays, who's I mean if anyone spells like smells Milwaukee, it's Rowdy Teles. That guy just uses, yeah, Miller Park. Um, so I love I love that move. Um, yeah that that basically wraps up the trade deadline. Um, obviously, <laughs> there's we probably missed some stuff. Um, because so much happened, it was insane. Um, a lot to to cover in a short amount of time, but um. Are there any more, any final reactions that we
1: may have missed? I mean, I think we covered pretty much everything. It was definitely the best trade line I've ever seen, um, which makes things even more exciting for down the stretch here. We love to see some good quality competitive baseball down the stretch, get to see who's going to make the playoffs. And uh, you know, it's exciting. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Real quick, before we wrap it up, I know um,
0: you wanted to talk about this. I, I don't, but we should. Um, Obviously, today, the Mets failed to sign. The only team that failed to sign their first-round draft pick, um, they did not come to an agreement with uh, Kumar Rocker. There's a lot of details that will probably still come out, um, but as far as I'm aware, um, they drafted Rocker. They had him do his physical. They were not In his and um, they could not come to an agreement on on that number. I, his slot value was six million dollars. Um, I think the Mets' offer was coming in around four point seven. I think was was that offer. Um, but honestly, I like it. it just looks uh, it looks so bad on. I don't even like. I don't want to say that it looks bad on both sides. It, I don't because if if like Rocker's camp and Scott Boris are were hiding stuff pre-draft, and his arm is in as bad shape. Because here's the thing that I'll leave I'll leave with: if if his arm was his physical better be really bad. Like there there better have been something horrid for them to not do this. And I want to trust that there, that that was the case, but also just like if it was something where he needed Tommy John, like you have, there's no excuse because they signed JT Ginn a couple of years ago when they knew that he had just gotten Tommy John. So what's the difference?
1: Yeah, no, I hear that. I'm really curious to, you know, there's gotta be something that hasn't come out yet. Cause like you said, they've signed guys who they knew were going to need Tommy John. So, How bad can it be? But I think it falls on both sides. Uh, Kumar Rocker, if you were hiding something, also, you know, if you're Kumar, your velocity was down, everybody basically knows there was something going on. Yeah, 4.7s, I mean, I'll take $4.7 million. I don't know about you, but that's still not that bad for the number 10 overall pick. And then, but also for Steve Cohen to come out and basically say that, he doesn't see Kumar rocker ever being able to be a value or be able to return that investment, which I was stunned by because pitchers all the time. I mean, basically everybody needs Tommy John these days. So even if he does, I still think Kumar rocker is going to have a long, very successful big league career. So the fact that he doesn't think that he'll return his investment is one, that physical must be like, God awful or I don't know what the Mets are doing because Kumar rocker is still, I mean, we've been talking about all year. He's one of the best pitching prospects we've ever seen to come out of college. So, um, very interesting stuff. I've, I don't even know if I remember ever seeing a first round player, not sign with the organization, not be able to come to an agreement. So, um,
0: yeah, I mean, it's happened before, but in this, but the way that it happened here was, Mm -hmm. was, bad and it's just a bad look like you say with cohen's tweet earlier was just like it it was just like wrong place wrong time yeah calling kumar like an investment like yes i understand it from the business side of things how he's looking at it but like that was the wrong time really lack of feel there yeah really bad lack of feel and like i love steve cohen i love the you know some of the energy that he's brought to the fan base but a lot of like he has tweeted the wrong thing at the wrong time like a few times so far in his <laughs> yeah. in his short tenure as a uh, as the Mets owner. Um, this was just a very bad luck, I agree and it it really was um, it sucks that both sides weren't able to come to an agreement. because why draft the guy in the yeah. first place? Like if you already had like obviously before the draft, if us fans had a feeling that something might yeah. be up. Obviously the Mets front office had a feeling that something might be up and they've wanted this guy for three years now. So I want to believe that I don't, you know, obviously I don't want Kumar to be seriously injured, but I got to believe that something in that physical was, was like very wrong. So, and I mean, really that's all I know and that's all I can,
1: I can say about it. It just fucking sucks. So it really does. There's no other way to put it. It just sucks. And you wow. know, we I we obviously wish Kumar the best. Hopefully yeah. he's yeah, I'm curious to see what he does moving forward. I heard he's not going back to Vanderbilt, but no. we'll see where he's he gonna, ends up and he's gonna train um independently this year. I don't think he's playing indie
0: ball, but he's gonna train um mm-hmm. just on his own. Um and uh yeah, yeah. so you know, it, like like you said, wish him the best of luck. Um I, uh, it kind of, it's just, it's a very LOL Mets move right there. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of a somber note to end. But um had some Chipotle today. I Can't say that. So very nice. This is a good way to end the podcast. We um, like that. Absolutely. I know we said yeah. we're gonna do a quick one. We ended up talking a little more. It, it is what it is. What is, it is. So. We had to jinx, but um,
1: yeah. Yeah. One more little shout out to the United States of America. Yep, we're 2 0 at the Olympics, baby. Yes, we sir. play Japan at God <laughs> knows what time. It's in Japan. 6 a.m. We're think. fired up. <laughs> we got the Japanese next game. We're fired up. <laughs> Hopefully, we can get to that gold medal game. God, I love it. Tyler Austin, the American hero. <laughs> we're fired up, folks.
0: Tyler Austin just imagines that he's playing the Red Sox when he faces every, uh, <laughs> every, every international in, team <laughs> in the, uh, in the, in pool play. God, I love yeah. it. Yeah, that's right. Go USA. I think they play Japan at 6.00 AM. So have fun with that. Um, but until then, we'll come to you guys later in the week. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it. God, I'm still like recovering from the trade deadline. So I'm got to take an Advil or something. Who knows? <laughs> He's staring. My, my. I think my screen, my screen time was up like six hundred percent. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Good job here. But, um, anyways, guys, give us a follow on Instagram at infield dirt, and uh, we'll come back to you guys uh, shortly.